Join us each week. This segment is brought to you by... And now, this. From our Art Deco virtual studios, overlooking the valley of Coolville, it's time to kick the flux capacitor and head back in time to your favorite retro pop culture trivia show, Wait, I Know This. Get it, homies. Hi, everybody. We are back, and uh, boy, we're going to have a great time tonight. This is a, a long-awaited interview, I'll have to say. I've been very excited about this one for a long time. We're going to talk classic <laughs> TV and go uh, go way back, and even uh, before the TV days of the star that we're talking about. We'll get to all this in just a minute. You are listening to Wait, I Know This, the fastest-growing internet pop culture trivia show on the web. We like to say that you get the trivia straight from the stories that the stars tell and not necessarily... Uh, from some silly old website. This is the real stuff, folks. We get the stories from back in the day with TV, film, and even sometimes music, and we have a great time while we do it. In case you weren't with us over the last few weeks, we have interviewed the likes of, uh, well, I tell you, last week was a great one. Bob Mills was our guest last week, and let me tell you a little bit about Bob. Bob was a writer for Bob Hope for 20 years. Um, The stories that this guy told about classic Hollywood and television were just fabulous, and if you get a chance to check out his book, at least go to our blog or our website, and you can link to it there. His book is called The Laugh Makers, and it's all about the folks that wrote for Bob Hope for 20 years who have a rich history in Hollywood, and uh, it, it is an absolute treasure of a book. You've got to check it out. Go to our website. It's just simply waitiknowthis.com, or our blog site is no HTT, or excuse me, no www, just the HTTP colon slash slash like normal, but you put uh, waitiknowthis.blogspot. Dot com And we've got links to his book there. Uh, we talked to Bob in recent weeks. We also talked to Tippi Hedren, who starred in The Birds with Alfred Hitchcock, and also Julie Newmar, remember the original Catwoman on the Batman series. So if you have time, go check those out. All the webs, all the episodes are archived forever on our website, and that's waitiknowthis.com. So let's get right to it tonight. Our, uh, our guest is, uh, is uh, a classic TV star like you've never seen. In fact, in a minute we'll explain why she's called sometimes the First Lady of Vegas, but we'll get to that in a minute. She was born uh, August 15th and was an actress who started out with a successful singing career, which I bet a lot of you didn't even know this. She was called, well, we'll won't give it away yet. She was a veteran of vaudeville, and her career includes film, theater, television. I think the most famous acting role, of course, would come as a television comedy writer in the sitcom... Uh, on CBS back in the day, the Dick Van Dyke Show, she played Sally Rogers, and also a frequent panelist on the game show Hollywood Squares. Uh, please welcome with us Rose Marie tonight. Hi, Rose. Hi. How are you? Doing just fine. Thank you for taking time to do this. We're just we're so thrilled to have have you on here. You have you I'm have. I'm very happy to be on. And listen, you're talking about books. Don't forget my book. Oh, that's right. Well, tell me, tell us the name. Uh, Hold the roses. Hold the Roses. That's right. That's your autobiography. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, uh, it, it, it takes most of my career in, in tow. And um, it's very enjoyable. I've been told by many people that it's wonderful. I'm not a writer, but uh, I just sat down and, and wrote the members, and that was it. And now I have to write a second book because the first one was blurred. The oh. second one is going to be all about. Uh, what I left out of the first one. <laughs> Sometimes we have to do that, don't we? Yeah, everybody's asking. Well, I tell you, if we talk about the... We're going to go back to the beginning of your career because, you know, and, and of course, I think I'm like the masses. I knew you mostly from uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. But for those of you, yes. that, for those of you that didn't know this, you know, Rose's career goes back 
to when she was just a, a baby, and she was known as Baby Rosemarie as a singing career. Now, that, I tell you, the most shocking st- stat or fact that I read, Rose, about you was the fact that uh, your career early on was assisted by some members of the mafia. You have to tell us about that. Oh, yes. I worked, uh, well, I, I was at the Palace Theater in Chicago working with Milton Berle, and uh, my father traveled with me, and uh, noticed that there was a man waiting outside. And we went down, and it was Al Capone. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, and he said, uh, we want to take the kid to dinner. The boys want to meet her. And my father said, well, she does four shows a day. It's a little difficult. Said, we'll get her back in time. We'll be here tomorrow taking a dinner. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you don't say no to Al Capone. We went by me. I said you don't say you don't say no to Al Capone, you know. Well, you don't say anything. <laughs> and uh, we went inside and back to the theater. And the next day, this big limo dropped up, and there was Al Capone. And he said, "We'll bring her back in time." And uh, we drove to Cicero, and uh, went to this house in Cicero, and there was a long dining room table that seated twenty-four. I mean, that's a long dining room table. No kidding. And there were all the boys there. Joe Adonis. Uh, uh, I can't even think of some of the Willie the Willie Ice Pick, Tommy Brown, um, Little Jack, uh, Vince Mangini. Uh, just just all, all the boys, all the big boys. Wow. And they all came over and hugged me and picked me up. I must have been about... Nine or ten years old at the most. And Al introduced me to his wife. And he says, uh, your uncle has a present for you. And he gave me a ring, a dinner ring at that time, with three diamonds in it. Wow. He says, you wear this all the time. I said, okay. He says, and you call me Uncle Al. I said, okay. And this is Aunt Anna. And I said, hello, Aunt Anna. <laughs> and he told my father, he said, don't worry about her. If you need anything, you call, you let us know. We'll take care of her. We'll watch over her. She's our baby. We love her. Now we'll take you back to the theater. That is incredible. Did you? And you had no idea, I'm sure, at the time. You're like, you know, the... the, the... I met them all through my career. I mean, when I played Vegas and when I played Reno, they would come up to me and, you know, I was the kid. I, I was always the kid to them. Because I was in my teens and, and stuff, and they would say, uh, uh, you know, we want you to do this. What are you doing next week? I said, I'm not working. They said, yes, you are. You're working in Reno. Oh, my And gosh. then they'd, they'd come around and they'd say, and after that, you're going to work in Tahoe. And they, uh, they took care of all my dates, the Copacabana, the Chaparee. Holy I mean, I was, I was their baby. I mean, you know, that is, uh, I, at the time, you, I don't know if you even understood, you know, how important that was, but, I mean, they, they shaped your career, it sounds like. Well, they, they made me, first of all, my act was good, come on. Right, right, right. My act was very good. And they, they just made sure that I was busy working. <laughs> and they owned everything. They ran everything. So I just went from one place to the other. Now, did I did I read that you performed an opening night at the Flamingo? With, that was Bugsy Siegel that owned it then. I was I was working here in Hollywood, and uh, Billy Wilkinson 
who owned the Hollywood Reporter, came to see me and he said, we want you to go to Vegas. I said, what's Vegas? <laughs> and they said, they said, you're going to be there with Jimmy Durante and, and Xavier Cougat. We're opening up a new club. Well, Vegas only had two clubs. One was the El Rancho and the other was the Last Frontier. And both were cowboy places. <laughs> so just on the floor and things like that. And uh, when they said Jimmy Durante, I said, okay. Because I'm not an impressionist, but I used to do a little bit of Durante in my <laughs> act because he taught me how to do him. And even his wife, Marge, said I did the best Durante of them all. <laughs> and it got to be something in my act that I had to do. So every year, I would do a new Durante number. I, I'm in love with Jimmy Durante. I wish I could sing like Durante and oh. things like that. And every time I'd play the Capitol Theater in New York, they'd say, do you have a new Durante number? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and I always went to Jimmy, and Jimmy taught me how to do him with the inflections, with the arm movements, and all of that. So when I heard that I could be working with Jimmy, I said, oh, yeah, I'm going. So uh, we flew up to Vegas, and uh, this gorgeous hotel in the middle of sand, the sand all around, there was nothing there. Wow. And uh, Billy Wilkinson, who I said was uh, on The Hollywood Reporter, brought up all the stars, Lana Turner, Clark Gable, Robert Taylor, I mean, you name them. And he, you know, you wouldn't say no to Billy Wilkinson. Right. And he brought all these stars up for opening night, and we were jammed. And Jimmy and I did a bit together at the end of the show where I would come out and I'd say, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he'd say, there's an imposter, you know. And we did a little bit at the end, and it was sensational. And we were, we were a big hit. Second night, they all said we did the show, and they were they were great. The third night, they all went back to Hollywood, and we worked to nine people because everybody was afraid of this place. <laughs> it was so glamorous with the nicks and the lights and the, the croupiers and all of that. They weren't used to this. They were used to, to desert and boots and sand, and there was nothing there but the... But, but, uh, the Flamingo, El Rancho, and Last Frontier. And I worked with Durante, and I worked for Bugsy Siegel. Wow. And the first first week, am I talking too much? No, no, no. No, don't stop. We love this. Um, the first week, I was sitting in the coffee shop. By the way, there were no rooms at the Flamingo. No we rooms. We all stayed at the El Rancho. <laughs> and uh, they had the dining room, the coffee shop, the casino. And the, uh, the 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 theater thing, the, you know, the dining room. So the first week, I was sitting in the coffee shop with one of the dancers, and in walks this man, and he gave us our check. And I, my check was minus eleven dollars. <laughs> and I went, hey, Mister, come here. And the guy sitting next to me said, don't, don't, don't bother that man. I said, there's eleven dollars missing from my check. I want to know why. He says, forget it. I says, I want to know why. 
they took $11. And I go to this guy and I said, listen, I said, they took $11 from my check. He said, did you draw any money? I said, who draws $11? <laughs> and he says, he said, let me find out about this. I said, I'd appreciate it. I go back to the table and Tommy Wonder said to me, they're going to pick you up in an envelope. Do you know who that was? <laughs> I said, no. He said, that's Bugsy Siegel. Wow. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> he said, nobody, nobody questions him. I said, well, I just wanted to know where my 11 bucks went. <laughs> and he comes back, and he says, you were supposed to be here the night before we opened. I said, well, it was raining, and the one plane that went to Vegas was, was down. So we all came the, the day of the opening. He said, well, we have to guarantee your room at the El Rancho. And we took out $11. He said, I'll get it back for you. I said, no, that's all right. I said, as long as I know where it went. I just wanted to know why $11 was taken up. You've that's okay. You've got... He said, no, 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 I'll find out. And he walked out again. And I thought Tommy Wonder would die. He said, oh, my God. He said, nobody ever did that to Siegel. I said, well... He was very nice to me. You've got to be the only person who ever questioned Bugsy Siegel, and you live to tell about it. That's a pretty good thing. Well, you know, he was wonderful to me. He was a very nice man. He gave me $10,000. He said, you know how to play Baccarat? And I said, yeah. He said, well, go over there and play Baccarat. <laughs> I said, look, I'm not a shell. I'm a performer. He says, you got nothing to do in between shows. Go over there and play. Maybe you can stir up some business. <laughs> and I won 25000 Holy cow. Now I've got to do a second show. <laughs> and I can't find this man. And I put the money in my bra. And I go out <laughs> and do my show. And I come out after the show and I'm looking for him. And he's standing there. And I said, here's your money. Don't ever ask me to do this again. <laughs> he says, you were wonderful. He says, I knew I could trust you. I'm not worried about you. Wow. Well, now, when, when you, uh, so, you know, you started out as Baby Rosemary, and you were singing and performing in that way. Now, how did you make the transition to be such a, in my opinion, one of the best female comedians ever, and then, of course, on the Dick Van Dyke show? So were you doing stand-up? Is that how they found you for Dick Van Dyke? Well, yeah. I, uh, first of all, Danny Thomas and Sheldon Leonard uh, were very good friends of mine. They used to find me in Vegas all the time. And I would say to Danny, how come you don't give me a shot on your show? Make room for Daddy. I said, you're giving everybody a guest shot. I said, I'd like to do a guest shot. Now, I opened for Danny Thomas when he came in from Chicago to New York at the La Martinique. I was his opening act. And we became very good friends from there on in. So he said, well, you know, your time will come. Don't worry. Your time will come. Sheldon Leonard said to me, don't you have a bomb? I said, not if I can help it. <laughs> and he said, well, your act is just great. And I said, when am I going to do a guest shot? And then he said, don't worry, you'll do a guest shot. So a couple of weeks go by, and I get a call from the office saying, go down to Desi Lou to Danny Thomas. I want to see you. I said, oh, thank God, I got a guest shot. And she said, no. This is her new show called The Dick Van Dyke Show. I said, what's a Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> and he, she said, just go down there. 
And I went down there. I didn't audition or anything. They handed me the script. I met Carl Reiner, and Sheldon said, if you want the best, get Rosemary, which I thought was very nice. Yes. Because after the show, Carl sent me a wire, and he said, Sheldon was right. You are the best. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's how I got the show. Now, and I wanted you to talk a little bit about, I mean, good Lord, what a cast. You know, Maury Amsterdam was phenomenal, and then you well, got... Well, I got Maury the job. Oh, did you? Because they asked, I, I asked, who have you got for the third writer? And they said, well, we haven't thought about him yet. I said, what about Maury Amsterdam? Now, Maury was very well known in show business, but nobody knew him outside of show business. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I said he was a writer. He used to write for Fanny Bryce and Fred Allen. So he's a writer to begin with. And he's very funny, he has his own act. And they said, do you have his phone number? And I said, yeah. Gave him a phone number, he was living in Yonkers at the time. And I go home and I call him up. And I said, they're gonna call you for a new show called The Dick Van Dyke Show. And he says, what's The Dick Van Dyke? <laughs> and I said, I don't know, but we're gonna do a show. <laughs> so he says, I'll be out Monday. And he came out and got the job and and now he's known all over the world. You know, his his rapid-fire delivery, I always thought the scenes with you two together playing off each other were just phenomenal. You, and I think you can you can see that, that vaudeville-type uh, experience that both of you well, had. Well, we were friends from the time I was nine years old. Oh, well, that helps. And he yeah. used to write material for my act all the time. So, yeah. I mean, uh, we were very close. In fact, I'm his daughter's godmother. Oh, Wow. Now, now was I read that the Dick Van Dyke show that you know with uh, that with Carl Reiner and the likes it was, that it was based on his experience working with Sid Caesar and Imogene Coke on your our show of shows. Is that right? I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> That's what I heard. I guess so because he he wrote it. You know, he he wrote the, the Dick Van Dyke show and showed it to Leonard Sheldon Leonard, and Sheldon said it's great, but you're not good for it. He said, why don't you produce it instead of being in it? And he says, I'll find the guy for the show. He went to New York, Sheldon did, went to New York, saw Bye Bye Birdie, saw Dick Van Dyke and said he wanted to do a television show. Oh, my god! And that's how that happened. That's crazy. Well, yeah, I had heard that Maury Amsterdam's character was based a little bit on Mel Brooks when he was back in the day writing for Sid Caesar's. That's, that's interesting. Now He wrote for everybody. Oh, he but did. But he wrote, wrote a lot of material for me. In fact, he wrote most of my act. Wow. In fact, he wrote my act. He was a Every sweet time guy. I'd go anyplace, I said, I need some new jokes. I need some new this. I need some new that. A new opening song. And uh, he, he would say, well, what do you want to talk about? And I said, oh, I don't know, this and that. And half the time we did it on the phone. <laughs> He's brilliant. He was brilliant. Yes, he was, and he knew every joke in the world. Now, talk a little bit about uh, Dick Van Dyke. How was he to work with? He's the sweetest guy you ever want to meet. He never says no. I never heard him say no. I won't do this. Or he used to sit in the corner and draw. He draws beautifully. Um, you know, caricature type drawings. Oh, he would draw Messerschmitts and. Airplanes and, <laughs> and and we'd be working, and then they'd call him up to 
to do his part, and he'd come up and do it. And, and many a time he said to me before we went on, do you think this is funny? Do you oh. think this is funny? <laughs> I said, it's wonderful. What are you worried about? It, I never saw him get angry. I never saw him wow. say, no, I won't do that. He's a very easygoing guy. Loves everybody. Loves everything he's doing. He's a hell of a guy. Uh, you know, he just he comes across that way too. I think, and um, as just somebody who was uh, who was genuine. I saw him on it when Ed McMahon and Dick Van Dyke, uh, Dick Van Dyke, uh, Dick Clark had their TV's practical jokes and bloopers. I saw them play a joke on him one time, and he handled yeah. it with with the most class I've ever seen. He never got upset. Oh, he's wonderful. And how he about, really is a very sweet man. How about Mary Tyler Moore? What was she like? Well, we never got along. Um, we uh, we worked together. It was fine. But for some reason or other, we just never hit it off as friends. And I think it was my fault because I think I was jealous. <laughs> she was prettier than I was. She was thinner than I was. <laughs> she was younger than I was. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. She was jealous of me because I was one of the guys. Uh. I was always with Sheldon and Dick and Carl and... It, so we we just never began. When we did the reunion show about two years ago, we sat next to one another, and I said, you know, we wasted a lot of years. She says, yes, I know. She says, I'm so sorry. We could have been such good friends. Aww. I said, we can start now. And she says, right. She says, you're my best friend. Aww. I said, you're my best friend. Uh, it's funny how, as we all get older, uh, those little petty differences don't matter anymore. Yeah, when she comes into town, she calls, and we gad for a while, and she's a very sick girl at this point Yeah, with the diabetes and stuff. I did. I heard that. I heard that she wasn't doing well, and, of course, our thoughts are... No, she's not, she's not well at all, but I, I, I shouldn't even tell you this well, uh, because I'm telling it to millions of people. Well, our thoughts... But, uh, she, she's really not well, really. Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to her. That's for sure. Um, uh, I hate to hear that. That's you know, all of you guys. It seems like everybody in that show just was uh, went on to phenomenal careers, and and uh, yeah, you know, it was just a great show. Yeah, it was voted the best show of television. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, it was voted the best show ever to hit television. I I I have to say, and you know, of course, me and my <laughs> me and my not not so infinite wisdom. Um, I have to say that I think the writing on that show was one of the best of its time. Well, we had all the best writers. We had Carl, number one. Right. And then we had uh, uh, Gary Marshall, and we had people like that 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 would just write these things, and and they were wonderful, and everybody had a say-so in what what we did. It, it, It was a mutual thing. We'd get the script the week before and read it and make little changes and Sheldon would come in and say, I don't think Dick should say that. Give that line to Maury and do the, and then, then the following week we do the show. So I didn't realize, now I did not know that Gary Marshall wrote for that show. I did oh, not. Gary wrote a lot of them and his partner, I can't think of his name. Uh, Gary did a lot of them. Um, Jesus, I, I see their faces, but I can't think of their names. Wow, that's... We had the best. 
Well, he and you know, obviously, he was one of the best. He still is. He's he's phenomenal with television. He sure is. That, he is the best writer. He and Al Cantor, I think, are the two best writers. When you think back to your career, Rose, and and you know, good God, you worked with everybody. I mean, from W. C. Fields and Jimmy Durante to just you know recent recent folks. And um, who were some of the who were some of the standouts? Who were some of the people that you said, you know, this person really made an impression on me and, um, you know, one of the best people Oh, I think with. Dick was one of them. Dick was one of them and Carl. Carl was brilliant. And uh, he, can, he can do anything as far as I'm concerned. And I, I had the biggest pleasure of my life working with Phil Silvers and Top Banana. Oh, yeah. He's phenomenal. He was, he was just great. So funny. And... Uh, I, I've worked. I worked with a lot of people. There's, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say they're all dead now. <laughs> I'm the only one alive. You're doing something right, I'm Rose. A little worried. <laughs> You're doing something right. I uh, don't buy green bananas anymore. <laughs> I, you know, one of my favorite lines of yours on Hollywood Squares. I, I did some digging, and I, re, I actually remember watching this one when it when it first happened. And I just want everybody. Well, of course, um, I'm sorry. Was sensational. And uh, we had a great, great bunch of people on that show. Wally Cox. Wally Cox, uh, Mr. Peepers, yep. Uh, Arquette, Cliff Arquette. Uh, Paul Lynn. George Scovel. We had some great people on that show. We're, we're, and I was with that show for 14 years. We're actually uh, scheduled to get Peter Marshall on here, so we're going to do a Nothing But a Hollywood Squares episode coming up. Well, good. He'll, he'll send you in with everything. Let me tell you something about Peter. I did the first three pilots. I made one with Sandy Barron and one with, um, um, here we go, Little America, who's that? Oh, uh, What's his name? yeah, if you hadn't asked me, I could have told you. Anyway, I know what you're talking about. Well, anyway, and, and I, that's the last I heard. The next thing I knew, we made another pilot with Peter, and Peter was the one that, that stayed with it. And he was absolutely perfect. He was. I mean, he knew when to feed us. He knew when to, to let us go. He knew when to stop us. His timing was unbelievable. And his handling of the stars was impeccable. It was just great. Yeah, I thought he He's did. the best he, there is. I, I thought he handled um, Paul Lynn very well. You know, he, he really set him he up. He handled everybody very well. He knew how to do that. He was great. He was just great. And that's hard to find in Hollywood to, to find someone who is willing to set everybody else up. Yeah, and how? Yeah, absolutely. What? Um, when you, I was looking through the, your uh, your bio, and I I'd seen that you uh, worked on the Doris Day show as well. Oh, that's a lady. I tell that's you, a wonderful lady. Absolutely, I would. I don't know why they pick on her so much, <laughs> but she's. They do. They pick up garbage on her, and I don't know why. It's because she's 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 just as you see her when she works. She's great to work with. She's she's always in a great mood. She. What can I say? It was a pleasure. I worked with her for three years, and we became good friends. We call one another up even today. She sent me a coffee cake she wanted me to try Aww. and things like that. And when I fell and hurt my leg, she called me and she said, don't do any interviews. Don't do anything. Just take it easy and rest. 
<laughs> I said, okay, Doc. <laughs> I also read... So she's, she's wonderful. She's a lovely, lovely lady and really very good actress that nobody believes. She is just great. They really don't say how wonderful she is. Well, someone, Rose, we have people that will log in through the Internet and listen to our conversation, and they'll type things in. And uh, this one person said, uh, you have to ask her about Richard Deacon, who played Mel Cooley on the show. Mel was like my big brother. He was just wonderful to me. He, uh, when my husband passed away, he would call me up and he'd say, get dressed, we're going out to dinner. Aww. And I said, I don't want to go anyplace, leave me alone. And he said, whatever you're wearing is what you're going to be seen in. Get dressed. And he and Rock Hudson and Tom Tryon, the three of them, took care of me after my husband died. Took me out. Tried to cheer me up all the time. Wow. Rock Hudson made me his hostess for a party that he ran. A Mexican party. And the three of them were just great. But Deke was, I was very close to Deke. He was just wonderful. I could talk to him about anything. We could talk about the show. We would tell one another what we thought maybe wasn't doing right with the lines. And he would tell me, try it this way, try it that way. We never got mad at one another for trying to tell us what to do. He was a wonderful, dear, sweet man. Well, I, you know, I always said that the, the key to a, to a successful sitcom is when is when the lead isn't necessarily all the show. It's the, it's the surrounding and supporting cast, and every one of you guys had great timing. Well, that's good. I'm glad you saw that. You know, that's that. I think that's part of it. But um, it, now, I, real quick, because we're about to ready to run out of time. But I, I had also read that you were on you you were in a couple of episodes of the NBC series The Monkeys in the mid '60s. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know why everybody talks about that. I did two episodes. And everybody keeps asking me about that. <laughs> I've done a lot of other shows. I've done Caroline in the City. I've done uh, Murphy Brown. I've done the Little Theater. I've done, I've done everything. And everybody <laughs> talks about the monkeys. <laughs> I don't know why that. I guess it sticks out in my mind is just going. I can only imagine, you know, what those guys, as crazy as they were, would were like to work with, and then put you in well, there. Well, let me tell you something. The first show I did with them, they were brand new. And they were really very nice and quiet and pleasant and wanted to work and all of this. The second show I did, they were already famous, and boy, what a change. Oh. Oh, boy. People were coming up to them and saying, what kind of car do you think I should buy? <laughs> you know, and things like that. I said, who the hell knows that, you know? <laughs> so... They changed in between the two shows. That is so funny. I, well, let me say this. I, I want to read this one line. This is a line from Hollywood Squares that, that I absolutely love. And I, I remember when when you said this uh, on the show the first time around, not in reruns. And it's so funny. So I wanted everybody to hear this. It said, uh, uh, Peter Marshall asked, asked Rose, it said, According to Cosmopolitan, Rose, if you meet a stranger at a party and you think he's attractive, is it okay to come out and ask him if he's married? Rose's response was, no, you should wait until the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's awesome. That's Ro good. Rose, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We just love you, and you're such a class act, and you, you tell it like it is, and you have a great sense of humor. What a quick wit. We're just happy that you spent time with us tonight. 
Well, thank you so much for calling and say hello to everybody for me. I certainly will. And, we, and I thank you so much for being so nice. Absolutely. You have a home here. Anytime you want to talk, you just let us know. Okay, thank you. All right, see you, Rose. Bye. Lots of fun, folks. I, I tell you, she's uh, she's one of the best. And for those of you that wanted to, you know, go to go to Wikipedia. And obviously, Wikipedia has uh, some things that we're not sure if, if it's right or not. But the, her story there and the the bio is phenomenal. It goes through her theater career and in the late seventies and early eighties, she was with Rosemary Clooney and Helen O'Connell, Margaret Whiting, and in a musical review, she's done it all. And it really is nice to read about her. So go check that out. Now, listen, if you are listening to us on a download and not live. We just want to let you know how you can find out when we're live. Because if you are live, people will type in questions or comments and we try to get them on there. And if you're calling through a cell phone or you have a microphone on your computer, we can unmute you and let you ask some questions. So go to our website and find out how to do that. It's waitiknowthis.com. Uh, simple as that. It's it's very, very easy. In fact, we have people right now saying uh, thanks to Rosemary as we speak. So listen, if you're going to... Um, if you're thinking about joining us next week, we're going to have lots of fun again. I'm very excited that the possibility of having Phyllis Diller is uh, in the makings right now. And then, of course, we talked about Peter Marshall, too. We're trying to book him in a couple of weeks. So thanks for being with us tonight on Wait, I Know This. We're the fastest-growing Internet pop culture trivia show. We'll see you next week. <laughs>